Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 21 of Mortally Wounded. I'm your host, Chris Welfare. And I'm your host, James Mabry. And I'm today... your host, Dan Brewer. <laughs> <laughs> and today we are joined by a special guest. Um, this is the next of our hobbyist highlight episodes. So as he has already mentioned, we are joined by returning guest to the show, Dan Brewer. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I'm like, now's when you say hi, Dan. <laughs> I've already introduced myself. Get with it. You've already muffled in. Again, on an, yet another podcast. So, how many podcasts do you muscle in on these days, Dan? Oh, I don't actually listen to any of them. So, no, I don't know. I don't know how many there are. People keep asking me to do stuff, and if I've got time, I do it. <laughs> <laughs> they come to me, I don't come to them. British media slut. <laughs> oh, it's AOS media slut. British <laughs> thing, should, is it? That should, be your new, that should be your new Twitter handle, at, a, at AOS media slut. <laughs> Egg, eggplant emoji. <laughs> we all have a good slut, don't we? I was about to say something. So, I'm not going to. Yeah. <laughs> There's a few awkward chuckles going around a lot at the moment. I had something in my head, and I was like, "Don't yeah. say that out loud." Yeah. <laughs> I'll text it to you later. <laughs> So yeah, this episode we are going to be talking all about Dan as a hobbyist. Um, obviously, Dan, you have been on the show before, giving us your knowledge of Skaven, as you are the Skaven master. Um, so a lot of your hobby, obviously, is Skaven, but obviously we know you also have another main army. So um, when we kind of get to that main section, we'll be talking to Dan all about his hobby and um, how he goes about composing an army from both a competitive but also hobby aspects if there's consideration there and then things like painting techniques um, and modeling and things like that but before we do that should we do a catch-up on games played recent hobby James yeah sure um recently so since our last recording um, I played a couple of games actually uh, so I've been tweaking my Legion of Sacrament list, uh, just uh, changing a few things between each game and sort of honing it a bit more. So I played a game against um, Charles Black, and uh, for a lot of you might know Charles, um, he's one of the Canberra locals down here, and I think he was uh, over at um, South Co- uh, sorry South Australia GT last weekend. <laughs> and uh, yeah, was, and yeah, I think you, you played him, didn't you, Dan? Yeah, the last game yeah. I played, Charles. Yeah, cool. And um, anyway, had a game against him, against his Zinch. And yes, a lot of enlightened uh, being thrown at me. It's, it was a few weeks ago now, so I can't remember the exact sort of details, but we did have a really fun game. It was good to, good to meet you, Charles, finally, and um, have that game. So yeah, we had a lot of fun there. <laughs> and uh, I've also had a game against uh, Dave Hurley, and he brought a... Uh, Dave's also another Canberra local. It's, uh, he brought one of the new blister skin flesh eater courts armies and uh, I had my Legion of Sacrament and I threw out a lot of endless spells during this game. It was actually really, really close. I, I lost that game due to like, one sort of mistake that I made, um, but I was basically keeping Arkan alive with a, a, a grave tide, uh, stopping his um, his terror guys from, from charging him and then, so it came to that moment where we rolled off for priority and <laughs> I decided to um, give him the turn so I could move the first endless spell. Now, like, I had a, a purple sun on the board, <laughs> so I was like, yes, I can get this purple sun across both of his terror guys and do all this damage and stuff. So um, I got greedy with that and 
So yeah, move that, move that around. Didn't roll a six, of course. Didn't, didn't do this. Uh, the almighty two d six mortal wounds that were promised on the box. One hundred percent of the time happens. Guaranteed. You need to practice rolling your sixes. Yes, I do. <laughs> but um, so then he just proceeded to move the grave tie that was blocking his charge. Like I'll just put this over here. <laughs> There's nothing um protecting Arkin. So sure enough, after that he charged and Arkin was eaten alive. And then you know. Uh, feeding frenzy kicked in and went and killed the um, mortis engine as well. And from that point onwards, it was very much downhill. <laughs> but um, that was a really fun game because, like, I, I felt like I was in that game until that moment when I made that stupid mistake. And it's very characteristic of me to actually to do that. I remember even when I was playing with my Bretonians, like I'd get all excited and go charging off and just do stupid things and. Yeah, I still do it to this day, so I don't think it's going to change that much. You're not learning, is what you're telling us. <laughs> I just get lost. I just get caught up in moments like that. I'm like, yes, I've got a Bible son. It's going to get somebody. It's going to get everybody. And then it just doesn't do anything. <laughs> and then all my army dies. <laughs> you play Legion of Blood, don't you? It's the bloodlust, James. It's the bloodlust. It is the bloodlust, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, um, yeah, so I'm really enjoying playing my sacrament list at the moment. Um, I played, oh, yeah, played a game against Brant as well. Uh Last Friday, and we uh, actually tested one of your scenarios, Chris, for Sydney Slaughter. We played yeah. Day of Death. Um, oh, it was one of the like it was one of the funnest scenarios I've played in a very very long time. Um, just love that deployment. How you sort of deploy in that box opposite each other, and you put the objectives on the far side of the board. And it's like this race for those objectives, and you just sort of eye each other off and. You know, you can castle up or you can charge in or you can... There's just so many cool dynamics to that game. We had a, we had a blast and um, Brant kicked my butt as well. So <laughs> he, he's um, honed in his uh, his free free guild army. So he's now got a zero copter. Zero yep. copter two. Uh, so he was... Yeah. Is there, what was it? The zero copter electric buff, bro? Yeah. <laughs> it's like a converted um, uh, dwarf... Um, what are they called? Gyrocopters? Yeah, gyrocopter. And he's got his, um, this dude standing up holding his, like, pointing at the uh, target sort of thing, with a, like holding a flag, like like, a, like he's working on a flight deck or something like that. But, um, no, nah, it's really cool. He's painted it beautifully, of course. Um, and he's got a, he had another griffin on the table as well. That was a work in progress, but we, uh, yeah. <laughs> so he was flying around doing hell of, like all this damage with them and, Arkham was holding the fort and I just kept throwing black knights at him. <laughs> that um, he just I'd just throw them at him, he'd kill them. I'd throw another lot at him, he'd kill them. <laughs> so we kept them going on that. But um no, we had a lot of fun and that scenario was was fantastic. So uh, thanks for that, Chris. Uh, awesome. I hope I hope other people out there are playing them, the pack is up and uh enjoying them and yeah, getting excited for Sydney Sorter. So um that's good yeah. to hear. You've been doing any hobby? Last time I think you spoke, you, yeah. had, you had Nagash on the painting table. Yeah, he's still on the painting table. He's uh, undercoated. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't started painting him yet. <laughs> but I've got, I've been sidetracked. I've, I've painted, well, I painted Purple Sun, Malevolent Maelstrom. Um, I painted the Quicksilver Swords and the Prismatic Palisade. Uh, yeah, so I've been just been doing a few in the spells really. Um, currently, I've almost finished a Lord Executioner, and I've got another five uh, Black Knights that I'd like to paint up for my current list iteration. So yeah, that's kind of what I've been up to on the hobby front. Cool, Dan. 
What have you been up to recently, hobby-wise? Games hobby-wise? Uh, I went to SAGT at the weekend. <laughs> so I've been frantically painting stuff for that. It's been a long time since I've had a deadline. And I kind of intermittently I paint a lot anyway, just as kind of power and wind. I don't really watch TV. Never hear people talking about watching things on Netflix. I really can't relate because I don't ever watch TV. I watch films. I play video games, but I just don't. I don't really know why. I just can't get into it. So, like the way that I kind of unwind is usually through painting. So, um, if I have an event on and there's something I need to get done for it, I will kind of systematically plan out what it is I'm going to do, and then I basically decided with this event because um, the new Skaven book came out. I signed up for like three things at once. I've dropped out of two of them, <laughs> um, and um, just started painting again. Really, um, I painted a screaming bell just before once I'd already announced the book, but before I knew it was going to be in it because I've always I've had one for ages. I've always wanted to use one. I was like, if it drops and it's not, I don't want the power of the book to influence what I'm doing. One of the main sort of um, stubbornness as I've had is I've never ever I don't even read the painting rubrics like I don't want it to ever influence what I'm doing for hobby I don't want an event to ever dictate or guide what I bring to a tournament or um, looking at the marking or whatever so and as it happens I usually end up with max sports anyway or um, not sports um, painting uh, so I painted a screaming bell I painted a warp lightning cannon and a doom wheel, and then I decided what I was going to take. That warp lightning gun took me ages, and then I didn't bring it. So, <laughs> um, yeah, just been doing different things. I've been I've been converting some scryer acolytes out of old poison wind molders, clan rats, um, play claw catapult parts, and some caradron parts, and I brought them with me, and they were really fun to make. So yeah, I played SAGT. I won SAGT. Congratulations! Um, thank you. Scaven OP. Yeah. Yeah, it's not the well. The thing with that too is, um, I think we're going to talk about that another time. But it wasn't just overpowering and um, what's the word? Just like smashing people. I didn't get that many kill points compared to most people at that event. Like I still won for objective play. Yeah. Um, the way that I won the last game was against Charles Black, and that was I did have a unit of acolytes to pull the trigger because he kind of took my bait. Um, I, I thought he was going to charge me right away, and I, I wanted him to. I was prepared for it. But the way that I actually won the game was 100% of clamorants. So um, that bit hasn't really changed. Um, <laughs> I'd probably say that's why I won uh, in comparison to the people who are maybe just learning how to use these units now. Uh, they, they work differently now. Um, but yeah, I, I've had lots of practice with like moving clamorants around, charging, retreating, positioning. I've been doing that for years now, so that wasn't it felt cool because it was like a, a new take on the book with that the new power that they can definitely hit a lot harder than they could before. Um, but the way that I, it felt like symbolic that the way that I won was the way that I used to play. So it was kind of cool. Like I can't really explain it very well. Probably not very interesting to people listening. But uh, I, I won out of 2.9 tagging two units of Enlightened and surrounding them. So um, Yes. Get them. The, thing, Get them. the thing that I'm famous for. That's, that's how I won. Yeah. So. yeah. Uh, awesome. Um to just the feck. Um I finished the Charnel Throne. I have rebased or based, whichever way you want to look at it. Depends if painting over blue counts as rebasing or basing. I think his intention was to use the crackle paint over the top for like ice basing and then he just never got around to it. 
Yeah. This is what you get for buying secondhand models, though. But anyway, <laughs> I've uh, based properly um, the 18 flares now with my death basing with all the grey bones and the gravel and put all the washes and everything on so they're looking good. Um, they match the rest of my death stuff. Um, did the Terrorgeist as well. Did the base for the Corpse Mare Stampede Endless Spell. Um, and then I have because the Terrorgeist and the Flare is already painted. Um, but I've got a second Vargolf and uh, my two Arch Regents and the Stampede that I need to paint. So I did the spraying, uh, which I did kind of Zenithal highlighting. As I said, I was going to with spray cans. So sprayed them all Mechanicus grey and then sprayed them lightly from the top with Corex white and then with Chaos Black from the bottom. And then I sprayed them all over um, with an army painter and necrotic flesh. So it's kind of a greeny tone. Um, so they're at that stage now where kind of all the base coat pre-shaded stuff is done. And I just need to actually paint them. Um, so yeah, made quite good progress for me. Um, so I think it's probably going to be the army that I take to Border War um, in some form is going to be the flesh eaters. So um it's likely going to be all the players because that's what I've based. So um, I wonder what I'm going to be taking. But um, yeah, and then I played a couple of games. I've played a game with my new kind of Winterleaf Sylvaneth list with the Phoenix, playing it more defensively and using magic to set the woods off and stuff like that against Mick, actually against the new Flesh Eaters, um, which was fairly convincing for me. The unridden terror geists outside of Gristlegore don't really do much. Um, minus one to hit really hurts them as well. So just bogging them down with dryads and then getting all the spells off and shooting them with Colonel Hunters kind of does a lot of damage. So that was quite a good win. Um, and then I played Gristlegore. We hit, me and Liam had a feck off. Mm-hmm. Um, he was playing his four monster mash Gristlegore, and I was playing kind of my flare heavy list. Um, Put all the buffs on my nine flares, um, five up ward, everything, like extra attacks, all the movement buffs, kind of pushed them into the middle of the table. Didn't really realize how far forward I'd push them. And then he charged me turn one with all four of his big monsters and proceeded to take them off and the Terrorgeist in one turn. So it was basically game. <laughs> After his first turn, he just took everything off with uh, pretty much two, which is a bit bonkers. The general took off like seven and a half of the flares and then the an unridden zombie dragon took off my general and then i killed one of his terrorists with two flares with my buffs on but then he did the command ability to pile in and attack with it after it died which killed the unit so <laughs> there's not really anything i could do to be honest i kind of thought that that was going to be how the game was going to go because i had nothing to deal with i have a f- pure combat army that his main thing is fighting first so I kind of knew I was a bit screwed but yeah I wasn't expecting it to be quite so horrific um, so were you like um were you play testing one of the scenarios for slaughter uh we were trying to but to be honest we didn't really get much, <laughs> didn't really get much play testing of the scenario because it was all over at the end of 10 ones so, um, <laughs> have to try that one again Chris <laughs> yeah um but yeah it was good and I've I've learned things so I'm hoping if I had to play it again at an event that that one practice game would be enough to know not how I need shit. to play to not do <laughs> shit. Yes. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's pretty much all my hobby. Um, so do you want to 
kick straight into Dan. How you Don't kind of, me. who you are as a hobbyist, I guess. Do an overview of your armies yeah. and your general style, and then we can dig in, delve in, ask you some more specific targeted questions. Sure. Um, I play a Skaven army, which is what most people kind of know me for now. I actually started Warhammer in general and AOS with Tomb Kings, and I have a Tomb Kings army. And out of the two of them, the Tomb Kings is probably more of the passion project for painting. Like I find them, so basically the way that um, I get the question more so recently, now that the books come out, um, and I don't know why I'm getting in now rather than before, but people go, will you ever play another army? Will you ever play another army? Will you ever play another army? And like, I kind of already do. So like, because the way I paint them are so different, that's what kind of keeps it interesting for me. So almost gave in a quite dark. There's a lot of cloth, a lot of flesh, a lot of armor. And then um, with my Tomb Kings, I've, paint, I've painted them super bright. Like if anyone's ever seen my death, they, you can see them from across the room. They're very, very bright. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah, and a really bright bone, um, really bright metallics, and just lots of jewels, all the tiny little red and blue triangles and all the models and just OCD about it. I have to paint every single one of them. So they've got like marble and stone. So they're, they're completely different probably polar opposites so I don't think you can really get much more than that with um from painting flesh to painting bone cloth to painting like jewels like and patterns like uh armor versus marble like it's they're completely different so because of that i always kind of stay interested as soon as i get bored of one it's usually when i revert to the other when i get bored of that one i'll revert back um mm-hmm. that kind of keeps me yeah interested in the hobby really in painting and i would consider myself a painter before a gamer um i started doing Warhammer again when uh, basically I started doing Warhammer when I was like 12 I went to a games workshop because my friend started playing it and it was the day that I went is the day that the I think fifth or sixth edition whenever they launched the Tomb Kings book came out this happened to be that day and I it was the brand new army it's I like the look of death but there's something I didn't quite like about it it's more that gothic look uh much preferred the Egyptian style so I got the Tomb Kings book I bought Kalida and a box of skeleton arches I still remember and um that's how it all started. And then later on, I got a Skaven army as well because I like the fact that they blew themselves up and I thought they were funny. And they're kind of unique as well. I don't really see other like um, properties where they have this sort of race of humanoid rats. Like It's quite a unique um, thing that GW have that other things don't really seem to. And it's also why I'm surprised it's taken them so long to really bring them into Age of Sigma because it's one of the more um, marketable things that they have, I think, just because it's so unique. They don't have competition in, with them but i don't know what that popularity is i've always liked them but um mm-hmm. i think yeah. it's, they're such a big they're such a big race so it was always going to be a challenging book because obviously they tried to split it up by the fact that they did the pestilence battle tome and then in the ghb they did the scryer allegiance i think yeah, they thought very negatively received <laughs> but i think they yeah. were probably thinking okay yeah we will do take each them clan over as a separate book and then obviously got feedback severe you know, backlash and, and it, it, it's taken them a while i think from a rules perspective probably to work out how to have it all as a playable army but without because you need to restrict it so that it's not just there's so much because it's such a massive range they can do everything but you need to they needed to be able to write a way to i guess restrict yeah. them so that you couldn't do everything in one list 
because um, otherwise they'd just be way too powerful. I think um, that's something with the recent books, because like, I would say that just because um, as a whole, I like AOS better than fantasy, but I don't like everything about AOS better than fantasy. I always find the old army books in fantasy were always so much more interesting and better than AOS until recently. That the last sort of wave of books since the Stormcast and Nighthaunt release have just so much more depth, they're thicker again, they have more hobby sort of inputs inside them, the lore's back, like the depth inside the actual army books has finally caught up, and now the game is much more um, starting to get increasingly standardized with Holy Within for sort of range of um, abilities, um, unmodified sixes, things like that we're seeing become part of the game. I feel like Age of Sigma kind of has its identity now. It knows what it wants to be. All the newer books that are coming out are being brought up to speed to it. Because of that, I'm almost grateful that it's come out late because that Pestilence book was shit. Like, it almost wasn't a book. <laughs> um, whilst the... And that's why Corner getting an update is need to be brought into it. That's why some of the older books feel really outdated. Sylvanif. Um, <laughs> I think because they, fine. I think they, they're behind the times of the game. I think they could do something. It started off as a really unique thing with them having scenery, and now every army has scenery. They're not really anything special. Um, I think they could give them something far more interesting so they don't have to go first and still be viable. Because right now they do, and the sort of one-drop um, battalion thing is kind of falling behind in the game. The thing that was really cool with the Skaven book, actually, is like the battalions aren't great if you want to do a mixed list, but if you do want to do like a themed army, which is what you could always do, um, beforehand in the fantasy books is that if you were to do like a pure clan Mordor army you could and you'd have X number of rules that you would benefit if you did so and now the formations are kind of fill that gap like if you want to do a pure Mordor army it's probably going to be a fun army not a competitive one but you'd take the Mordor formation you always would if you're going to do that with Eshin you're going to take the Eshin formation you always would um, if not it gives you an incentive to use them and gives you something interesting that the army doesn't have if you don't go for a pure clan so um i think that's something that's really improved with the books for age of sigmar is they're actually interesting to read and they, they're just so much more diverse and offer different play styles whereas before it was here's a very small range of models and here's five different ways to play them which is kind of like the deepkin book the ko book the dolls of the cane book and um yeah i, I really didn't like that side of it because i just felt that they were so shallow um even look at the books they're like way thinner themselves like um in terms of the lore it was kind of picking up there and sort of the hobby side of it but it was have the exact same army and play them five different ways now it's field five completely different armies and that makes hobby more interesting and the good thing with like skaven and tomb kings with quite big ranges skaven's like six armies in one like what i'm playing now is not even remotely close to what i played three years ago um i started playing basically an eshin army um, I moved on from that to like more of a verminous army, more of a mixed army with some Scryer stuff. Then I started playing pure Scryer, um, and I did a bit of a monster mash for a while. Um, now I'm going back to kind of mixing it all together with some Scryer heavy themes. But I, just before the book dropped, I was painting up a full pestilence. I mean, in fact, me and you played a game once where I just did a pure pestilence allegiance, and that's what I was doing. So that just me and. There's mod the models in the Pestilence army that I played you with is still a 2,000 point army that's valid and that would still do okay now, but I'm not using a single model from that army I made, did I use over this last weekend? And that's what's good. I think I would get far more bored with the hobby and the army if I used the exact same models. Or, or like 60% of it was always the same and then interchanged between them. I used to use the Vermin Lord Warps here um, quite a lot, but I haven't used it for like a good year and a bit just not because it wasn't good just because i've moved on just started using something else but um now it's oh, the way the book is now is that i can 
give him another run out. The Screaming Bell is finally viable. Before it was just like a basically you're playing with 1800 points um, yeah. if you're playing a big game. Like I was using Fangor beforehand. I actually liked his old rules a little bit better. Um, he's, but um, yeah, I generally think Fangor's old War Scroll was probably better because of its command ability. <laughs> but um, his, um, I've already had that model painted and done up. I've been using him already because I wanted to use Fangor for a while. So I kind of flicked between them. Long story short is I use completely different units when I've been playing and it's kept the army fresh. And as soon as I get bored of Muscave and I go back to my death anyway, and I'll do something different with them. Revert back. So it's, um, yeah, it's been fun. The book was late, but it, I'm glad. The time that it's come out is probably the best time for it to come out. If it came out a year ago, I feel like it wouldn't have been as good just in terms of quality, not in terms of how the army plays. I'm sure the army would still have been strong, but I think they wouldn't have done as good a job as they've done and i think the scaven book is probably the best book i'm biased but i think it's the best book they've written because oh. it's got the big broad range and it's captured that the only real new army for age of sigma that has a broad range is stormcast there's something really interesting that weekend as there was only two stormcast players which was actually very different but also cool to see different things there at the same time so yeah so it's interesting you said that you consider yourself more of a painter than a gamer so like i probably would have thought it was the other way around to be honest but i think that's just because you do very well in the gaming side of things as well. i'm naturally good at um, the game i don't but... enjoy playing as much as people think <laughs> so when i play i generally do better but um no definitely a painter but if, if it was just gaming i would have quit by now like i wouldn't have been interested so. yeah. from a list like from a army building rather than a list writing perspective i guess then do you how does the hobby aspect of it influence your list or do you go this is the best thing i can take or do you go because as you said before the battalions they're not really competitive unless you want to do full they're more thematic so i can imagine like the hobbyists out there going oh well i have a molder army because i like the way it looks and i just want to build a pure molder army because it's it's cool and how i like it but you've obviously built more of a mixed kind of competitive list which uses piecemeal bits obviously the whole range is all scaven so it all fits together it's not like a mixed chaos list where you're building it to take a chaos sorcerer lord here and but i never did that if you remember i know i know that's what i'm saying so you can still build you can still build a themed full scaven army um yeah but yeah do you do you approach it from a a list building or a, a hobby I approach it from a hobby point of view in that I want the army to be interesting to move around and play with. I want it to be interesting to paint and alluding to it being a for because they were just generic chaos for the longest time. Didn't have, for the longest time, until six weeks ago, I played Grand Alliance, Grand Alliance Death and Grand Alliance Chaos. Those are my allegiances, pretty much. Like Occasionally, I'd use the Scry and Pestilence rule, but not really. Um, they, and at any point, that in the first edition of AO, the first General's Handbook, I could have quite easily taken Sail and just put him in my Skaven army and have Storm Fiends and fly him across. Didn't do that. Didn't want to. I could have played Goutfire Scorch. Didn't want to because it would be boring, not very interesting. Um, I've been quite outspoken in Goutfire Scorch in general. That hasn't really changed. <laughs> but um, it's, yeah, it has to be interesting. If I'm just spamming the same thing, I'm going to get bored of painting and I'm going to get bored of playing with it. Um, I don't think one-trick pony approaches really work. I think you're going to see that with Grisogo. It didn't do that well that weekend. I don't think it's as good as people think it is. I think it's kind of like the Gabriel Shawheart thing where we'll see it a lot initially, and then I think it's going to fade because people right now have quite unbalanced approaches to their armies. Um, and even, I would say, this weekend, 
I could have taken a stronger list. It's not the strongest list I can come up with. Like, I wanted to take a Doom Wheel. That was why. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think I've found a way to make the Doom Wheel work, but a much stronger list is I should have cut. The, if I wanted to be purely competitive, I would cut the Doom Wheel, take another three Warp Butchers Ales, another five Squire Acolytes, since it's a far stronger list than what I actually took. Um, so it's not really informed by that. The fact that the book came out made me want to play at a tournament just to kind of give them a run. But I mean, I'll say it right now, that's probably the last tournament I'm ever going to play. I don't intend to do it again. I'm not intending on taking them to another event, trying to like compete or do well. I'm quite happy to go in the bottom tables and going to be the biobuster at um, events again. So Border Wars have signed up to be a volunteer basically yesterday to be the biobuster. Um, instead of playing, which was received, so I'm going to do that instead. I don't care about playing events anymore. I, I like painting. If um, and just kind of what you're saying beforehand, so someone doing a Molder army would be to, um, you know, someone who's ever having fun with it. I feel like I've done that like over the years. I mean, people who know me have seen me do that. Um, if I was kind of going pure competitive, I wouldn't have. Frankly, I feel like I wouldn't have been playing Skaven to begin with at the time, because I found a way to make them work myself. The fact that I understand the game, I'm good at the game, I found a way that I started winning, but um, or at least doing consistently well. I, I didn't... Yeah, most events I attended, I'd place somewhat towards the top, but um, it was all ultimately back by the fact that I wanted to do Escape an Army. I didn't care that that's my army, and that's what I wanted to paint, that's what I wanted to play, and I try not to spam the same thing, because I think it's boring, just for me, rather than who I'm playing. So it's not like a courtesy thing for anybody else. Um, it's just what I wanted to do. That's why I've been playing them. That's why I also never mixed. Like, I could have very easily put a Chaos Sorcerer Lord in any of my lists in the last two years. I never did it because I didn't want to. Like, it's, it's not a Skaven army. That's the, actually the mixed part of AOS is something that I really didn't like at first. I think the ally system is a bit cooler. But um, I didn't like when I'd see like a pure Skaven army and sail the Faithless just at the end of it next to all the Storm Fiends. I just thought that looked super like um immersion breaking on the table i don't know if that makes sense like <laughs> yeah no I, I get it it's something that we've always discussed and i do understand how you say that you you do approach your list writing from a competitive but it is hobby restricted focus because um the amount of times i'd write a list or you'd send me a list and i'd look at it and go yeah that's really good but why don't you just put in the Kale Saucer Lord here because it'll do this, this, this. And you're like, no, Chris, because he's not Skaven. I don't want to do that. And I'm like, put your hamstringing yourself. And you're like, yeah, but I want to play Skaven because that's the army I like. It didn't so do, even start with that. that. It started when I was playing Tomb Kings and everyone was putting Necromancer in when it used to work on the snakes. I never did. I didn't want to. I hated vampire accounts. I hated death. Like, I really didn't like the models. Like there's a couple of people I used to play with when I was younger who played that army, and I didn't really like them. And I think that kind of reinforced it in my head. And I still kind of have that prejudice towards them now. James, you've slightly changed that for the better. But, um, <laughs> I never liked that army. I never wanted to use them. I never wanted to play them. I was never interested in the law. I always liked how Tomb Kings were kind of opposed to them. I, I, I got behind it more because, like, it's actually the law in Tomb Kings is the only real one that I used to engage with. It's the only one that I read properly. I really liked their backstory. And I really liked that they hated this army that I didn't like. <laughs> so um, <laughs> it kind of like worked in a way. Um, and the fact that you're a massive Mummy fan. The Mummy Returns has been in particular. I used to watch that movie when I was like younger was all the time. It was great. <laughs> have you watched um, Gods of Egypt yet? I've seen what? Did you ever watch Egypt. Gods of Egypt? I have not seen Gods of Egypt. Oh, so they, they basically have uh, what are they called? The big snake riders 
It's Toon King's porn, pretty much. That whole movie. Okay. Amazing. You'd love it's it. A ter- it's a terrible movie. It's just a terrible plot. Putting it out there. Don't expect to have a, a great two hours of your life, but, but it, there is a bit of two. Uh, is it? It can't be worse than the Mummy reboot. So. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Tom Cruise in it. <laughs> it's pretty bad. No, it's got on um, Jamie Lannister's actor. I can't remember his name at the moment. He's Nikolai like, Costa Wilder. Yeah, that's right. He plays um Horace. But anyway, yeah, it's, it's and it's Gerard, like Gerard Butler's in it as well. Yeah, I really, I actually really enjoyed the movie because I like movies like that. Like, I, I really enjoyed the Scorpion King and, and those kind of, that kind of vein. Like, but um, did you enjoy the direct to DVD sequels though, James? That's the question. <laughs> I think <it's> they existed. <laughs> they do. There's a Scorpion. Yeah, there's King like two four and three. Scorpion. Oh wait, there was. Like... Yeah, there was. Oh, I, I knew there was a third one or something, but or a second one. But you have I... to name this show the Scorpion King episode twenty-one. The Scorpion King. The Scorpion. The Scorpion King two. The Scorpion King twenty-one. <laughs> Done. <laughs> but um, so just um, sort of just while you're talking there, I was just sort of thinking about um your hobby and the way you paint your models and things like, so was there any sort of moment or like piece of art or lore or what sort of led you to sort of choose the Tomb Kings and Skaven? Like what were those sort of initial um, inspirations that um, kind of led you to, to paint those armies and start hobbying? It's aesthetic, pure aesthetic. I like them. Um, Chris is actually right because, like, I think Tomb Kings because GW. If you look at there's like a trend at that period of time, the early two thousands, where like a movie would come out that did well, or like a franchise, and then they would copy it. Like, and that did happen with the Mummy movies. That's clearly what it was based on. If you watch the Mummy Returns, you can see that eighty percent of the Tomb Kings range is in that movie. They have Shabti in it. The Scorpion King is in it. Like the Mummy itself is basically a lich priest. <laughs> like. Um, <laughs> Queen Kalida's in it, Neferada's in it. Like you can see the Tomb Guard who come come predicting Scarab Swarms. All the whole thing is in that. And the like Terminator came out and they came out with Necrons. Like <laughs> um, I think uh, like it was a Katachan after some other movie like Starship Troopers or something. And uh, like with Tyranids. Um, oh, yeah, they, these went through this big phase of doing that for a while. Um, Alien. <laughs> yeah, they did. If you look at the old Tyranid uh, Hive Tyrant, it's the Queen. Oh from no, Alien. that's Starship Troopers. Yeah, afterwards, they had like an alien aesthetic and then Starship Troopers came out and then they changed the aesthetic of all the Tyranids. Um, I think that was a little bit later, but um, yeah, it was definitely a mix between all of them. Like they, they used to do that and now they've gone the other way and they've like, distanced themselves from anything copyrighted as much as possible. Um, and with the Skaven, it was just, um, I don't really know what it was. It was just, I looked at their book because you used to be able to just look at the books on the shelf. And I, my friend had this like catalog you could, because you used to be able to order individual parts of the sprues. Um <laughs> And we used to play Blood Bowl a lot because the store that I was in was tiny. And we used to play more time, and I got them for more time. So I bought the Night Runners box, and that's how old that range is because it's still the same models now. To play more time, and then I got a Skaven army after I played. More. I don't remember how to play more time, but I remember that I did used to play it. Um, that's, I got the Assassin models. I thought the Assassins were really cool. There's all the Eshin stuff brought me to Skaven, and when I started playing again, because I took like a ten year break um, when I moved to Australia, basically just wanted something to fill my time, and I wanted to. Um, I was going out, um, I was actually, I used to go to the gym a lot, I used to compete in judo tournaments like almost every other weekend. But then like you need someone else to do that, I couldn't really do that by myself. So I wanted something to do when I was at home that was productive. So um, I broke my iPhone, I had to get it fixed, and I had like four hours to kill in the CBD. I was like, oh, I might go buy some plague monks, so I walked past the store a couple of times, and then 
I went in there and all the Tomb King stuff was in there and last chance to buy it and it just grabbed all of it and it just kind of started again. <laughs> so um, if it wasn't last chance to buy it, I probably wouldn't have got it because it was like, this is your last chance ever, like getting rid of it. Um, just bought like a bunch of it. And then um, yeah, just kind of slowly, that's basically how I made friends when I moved here. So um kind of worked out. So um, the gaming side of things, I remember CanCon, the first tournament I went to, 2017 was it yeah so when i first properly met you guys and i accidentally like lashed you with a theraband do you remember <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so like um i had like a rotator cuff problem because i was com- i was so bored because i was competing in judo all the time i was getting injured and um so like i t- tied like a sports theraband to a door and i was doing like rotator cuff exercises on it and then it's never happened before so like it's quite a common exercise that you prescribe as a like a physio um and then chris was just walking past and it just broke and just lashed him i still remember that you i was just like oh fuck like can i swear i've sworn now um yeah and i just like because i was just like oh my god like i bet you know these people like, he's invited me down to stay with them like you only met once and i, was, I felt so good now if it happened it would laugh my head off and it shows how much closer we are but um <laughs> at the time i remember he was coveting me because i felt so guilty um that if it happened now i would just keel over laughing <laughs> so, but yes i assaulted him yeah. with a theraband yeah <laughs> yeah cool yeah. Well, well um so with your color schemes and stuff like what did you like what what led you to pick the colors for your tomb kings was it just I was, okay i'm just gonna pick primary colors i love the blue and red or was it like were you inspired by like uh, the book or um yeah how'd you how'd you come to that like I got the book later. Actually, you gave me the book. Do you remember? Yeah, I do, actually. <laughs> yeah, I was at your house one day, and um, you just had it. I was like, do you mind if I have a look? And I looked through it, and you are like, you can have it. I'm like, I'll read it. Like, that like, you sure? And yeah, I still have it now. I have it next to me. Um, I got it from, um, like, the Super Cheap from CanCon, I think. Yeah, um, back back when they were cheap. <laughs> yeah, like I was um, planning to – I was going to read it at some point, but, yeah, I, could, I knew that you loved it, and, yeah. Yeah, no, so thank you. It's still been great now. Um, basically, because if um, I painted my Tomb Kings, I didn't do a very good job. And um, then I started doing Skaven, and I really wanted to spend time and improve it and then just put the right sort of amount of effort and detail into every model because I could see that other people did that. In fact, I remember you. I looked at your army at CanCon, and I was like, I want an army that looks like I've put time into it. And I think, did you win or did you come second that one, the painting? I came second that year, yeah. Yeah, I remember seeing yours though. Yours was the one that stood out in my head because you had a high model count. Um, and the other thing with Age of Sigmar is because at the time there was a lot of like Beast Claw Raiders where like some people had barely any models. I didn't really think of that as an army in my head. I still yeah. had this sort of like old school prejudice that an army has a lot of models and a lot of bodies. Um, it's the main reason I don't like 40k now is that you have some armies that are like four models. They, they used to force you to take infantry and that's what I liked about it is because it looks like an army when you're playing. And it's again, it's the immersion. It's all about immersion. It's not about gaming. Yeah. Um, and yeah, to me, it's immersion breaking in 40k that you can just go, oh, I'm going to take a squad of this to go with this knight, which then goes with so and so, and none of it makes sense. And like, it's all for gaming purposes. There's basically no restrictions based on what you take now, affects how many command points you have as opposed to what you're forced to take. Um, in Age of Sigmar, you're still forced to take battle line and heroes. And um, there's still some ways around that, like the old Scry got furthest that I really didn't like because Storm Fiends are supposed to be super, super rare. And I'd look at an army, it's just 15 Storm Fiends and a couple of engineers, a couple of Warp Fire Throwers, and an Arch Warlock. I'm just like, 
to me that was immersion breaking because it's like it's right. an elite force like they've been um, busy yeah they've been busy down at the forge <laughs> yeah um yeah so i always wanted to have like a high model count army i saw yours because you just had a big block of skeleton or zombies or something like that i think it was zombies yeah and, um like yeah and, and, and you bothered to put the time on every single one of them so i was like i'm gonna do that so then i did that and then over time i got slowly better and better at it and then i went back to my tomb kings got so bored of painting dark colors i just decided to paint a unit of sepulchral stalkers super bright because I'd, i was like they're not competitive they're kind of shit i just want to paint them <laughs> <laughs> they're probably the best unit i've ever painted even now mm -hmm. it just turned out that way i didn't really plan or think about it i didn't look at them and say that I like these certain colors or I just wanted to paint an army bright and I wanted to paint something that was different and I didn't want to do it the same way. Um, so I painted them super bright just to oppose the fact that Muscaven was super dark. Yeah. Um, and, you know, in that big year, like one year gap where I started really putting effort into painting, I came back and I think I posted a picture at some point of like some old Necropolis Knights I painted when I first got back into the hobby and I didn't know what I was doing. And then this unit of support was stalking side by side and I was like, holy crap, like, I've improved so much in such a short space of time that I started putting effort in and um, yeah, it made a big difference. So the Tomb Kings thing was a complete fluke. Um, the way I paint Skaven is influenced by, cause I used to be a good painter when I was younger. Um, there was like a GW manager at my local store before that was Washit, which made painting much easier. And he showed me how he highlighted flesh. And so that I have like a paint Skaven, like really high contrast in flesh. Um, it's quite distinctive if you see it. Some people don't like it, but, you know, it's, yeah, I think it's quite a polarizing look. But um, I learned that from a GW manager when I was, like, 12. <laughs> like, a lot of the Duncan videos and Warhammer TV, yeah. I started watching them a little bit later. But um, a lot of the things, the way I paint now is still very much influenced by that manager who sat down and spent time with me showing me how to do stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, and this stayed with me. So. <laughs> yeah, so, like, it's been more sort of... Um... Uh, so like father-son sort of mentoring style that's kind of helped you along earlier on. When I say father-son, you know what I mean? It's kind of like... Can... Daddy. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, so it, it, I know my my personal experience, like I haven't really had... I've had a little bit of guidance from um, hobby hobbyists like uh, in stores and things like that, maybe in the very early times. Um, but I've relied heavily on... Uh, painting guides in White Dwarf magazines. Um, actually, I don't think they sell it anymore, but there was this one called How to Paint Citadel Miniatures. Um, yes, there's Tim Kings were in that. Yeah, Tim Kings were in that, yeah. And that's yeah. I picked up. I, to, to this day, I'll open that book up and um, I'll pick up techniques and ways of doing things just from that book still to this day. But I've, I've always got um, like certain issues of White Dwarf that I go back to for to do certain things and just kind of you kind of just build up your repertoire that way. Um, do you find it interesting? Yeah. Um, there's a lot of times I've asked you for advice and then you've told me your recipe for something and I can't duplicate it. Like, it doesn't matter how hard I try. Just, it doesn't matter. Like, obviously it works for you. Your stuff looks yeah. great. But then I, I have to find which things I yeah. can copy and which things that just don't work when I try it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a different, you know, like different sort of way of... I think so, yeah. And different way of holding the brush even. like, um, And our sort of concept of... of how we use the paint on from the brush and I think it just varies from person to person. That's why I think those GW guides are so good because they are very simple. Um, even though there are times when you look at it and you look at the picture that they've done, the, the steps. It's clearly done more work. Yeah. Really like at least another five or six 
freaking steps. <laughs> yeah. That's something in the newer White Dwarves and the new army books they definitely do. There's a couple in the Skaven book where they've clearly missed something out and just say, why? Why didn't you? Why are you afraid to show this extra bit of detail that you've yeah. done? Because people cannot realistically replicate it. And that's mm-hmm. the whole point of this. But um, you've told me that before that you've learned a lot from those guides and watching Warhammer TV and looking at those books and it just hasn't worked when I've done it. Sometimes it does. Yeah. Like, um, there are things that I picked up from Warhammer, like painting, like um, there's a, a vehicle I'm painting wood, the vehicle video I'm painting wood. Um, and he uses the doom wheel in the video and I copied that completely and it, it, looked, it turned out really well. Yeah. And there's a lot of few simple things I picked up, but I've tried looking at those guys. I remember you sent me the witch elf one when I started and tried to do it oh, all as a yeah. cane army. Right, yeah. And then I hated painting them and playing with them that much that I gave up. But um, <laughs> uh, it, I just can't do it. I don't know what it is. Like something about the content they put out, I cannot replicate. And I've just had to find other means and just experimentation, yep. like trying different stuff out. Some of it worked. Some of it forensically did not work. Um, yeah. I didn't know the colors specifically. It's more like the concept, like the layering, um, where to layer, how to layer. And you've sort of taken that, those concepts and applied them in your own way. Kind of thing. And you've started to do a lot of trial and error to sort of figure it out for yourself a bit. Yeah. In fact, the most important hobby thing that I learned, even though I've been told this a million times, and I always thought I understood it, and then I realized it didn't, is, um, you know, the two thin coats that Duncan always goes on about? Yes. <laughs> I'm just like, because I, I hate white spray. Like, I've tried to work, I hate it. I spray everything black. And um, <laughs> it, and because my team being super bright, that takes a lot of work. So I realized very quickly, and that that's what piloted it more to me. Because when I was scaven, I was somewhat getting away with it because um, they were darker. Yeah. Is because I was painting super bright colors. Unless I put on like four or five layers of some of the paint, like just the base coat, and then the first layer, it just looked terrible. Like it would just like seep through in order to get a really opaque, good color. I would have to put several layers on. And that was the hard work with my Tim Kings is actually all the little red and blue. I've probably layered like four or five times per highlight yeah. just to make it work. And yeah, I've been told that. I mean, and then I went back to Miskaven and I did another unit of clan rats where I did that. And the second layer doesn't usually take much time. It's just making sure it's not like smudgy and like not translucent. And um, make sure it's a it, nice, nice, clean um, yes. block of color. So I think, yes, yeah. definitely. They look so much better. Like I, I had the unit of 40 clan rats I painted. I went off and did some tinkering stuff. Another unit of 40 clan rats I painted. And side by side, they look so much better, like really noticeably better as well. And mm. um, I don't know why it took that for me to learn that lesson. Um, I think it was painting like some skeleton horsemen because like, I'd used the hex wraith. Um, what's the word? Uh, horses, horses. Yeah. Um, for some like knights because I converted them with Timgard. I like conversions too, like because um, the, the ranges I use are a little bit older. It means I can be a bit more like experimental with some of the newer kit bashing with the old ones. Like I've always liked kit bashing. Um, it wasn't until I was painting those horsemen where I was like, okay, if I'm going to do this well, I really need to put more layers on or it's not going to work or it's going to look like it's not going to look very good or um yeah but that's such a big important lesson it's probably the biggest thing that i've learned in the last year which has significantly improved my painting is actually putting a second thin coat because if you put it on thick it looks horrible but like if you actually um <laughs> putting on proper base coats and this is the thing that i always say this to chris is um the boring painful part of painting is base coating like all the fine details is actually pretty quick that I find that those are things that don't take me that long, which make a huge difference on how the model looks. 
Um, like going around and painting the eyes on a, like a clanrat, they look so much better if you bother to paint their eyes and their teeth. It doesn't take any time at all. It's pretty easy. Doing all the base coats and doing proper opaque base coats is time consuming and the more um, push through type of side of the hobby. And I feel like all the fun stuff at the end is what a lot of people skip out when they're kind of rushing armies. And that's the thing that makes painting satisfying. It's what makes the models look so much better, yeah. in my opinion. Um, yeah, because like once you've got it all base coated, like they look hard work's over. The hard work's done, and you just spend the shading time, and then yeah. you go from there. And like even after you've done your first, um, like even after you've done your shading, they're already noticeably um, looking a lot better and more complete. Yeah. yeah, I love that. Yeah, I love it when you get to that stage where you've done that first sort of set of layers, and you're yeah. on the first highlight. And now they're really starting to pull together, and actually, like you get that little excitement, you know, when you. Yeah, get, you know, that's exactly right. That's yeah. what. That's what makes hobbying and painting fun. If it, if that wasn't fun, then I wouldn't be doing it. Yeah, that's what I like is putting those bits on at the end, which like make it all come together. Yes. And, um yeah, just kind of complete the model. I think. Yeah. Rewarding. <laughs> so yeah, would, you, exactly. would you say that you have a particular painting style? Because um, a lot of people, some people kind of use like technical paints. Some people edge highlight to the nth degree. Um, like push contrasts, stuff like that. Some people zen- like zenithal highlight their models as pre-shading before they do it. Like, do you have a, is there a certain kind of approach that you take to every model regardless of what faction it's from? Or do you change your styles between factions? Obviously, you said that your Skaven and your Tomb Kings are very different in terms of one's very bright and jewels and like different physically the models are different so one's cloth and dark and dingy and one's um like metallics and quite bright but in terms of how you actually paint those models is it the same technique that you use on all models uh the reason it's interesting to go between them is it's different techniques because what i did on one won't work on the other and that's why it stays that's why when i get bored when i change it works because if i was doing the same techniques it wouldn't feel like i'm really doing anything that different other than maybe using different colors, but um, no, it is different. There are certain things that, certain similarities that I can tell that I, I don't necessarily go for realistic. I don't think realistic is always um, what you should aim for. I think sometimes like, sometimes they look more cartoony, but they, I'm happy with them looking cartoony and quite happy with them not looking realistic. I'm happy with them looking um, like a certain style, I guess. I, I, I do a lot of... Um, the reason I like spraying from black is between colors, I'll deliberately leave like a thin black line between certain colors sometimes, which almost like borders it, which is not realistic at all. But like, um, if you have an example, like on the clan rats between the, where the flesh ends and the teeth start, I'll paint a thin black line across that and it divides it and it looks better for it because it creates a contrast. So that the one main um, thing that I would say is consistent with all my painting is I'll always leave very high contrast but I don't necessarily paint the same style, but I will always spray from black for that reason. So that's why, because like with my team games, I could spray them gold, but then I would have to go back in and in every single recess, I'd paint like a black line. It would take me way longer. So um, it's something that I consciously do. It's just something that I, I don't really know where I got it from. I just think it looks better. Um, the way that I highlight is very similar. Like I, I turn up to, um, I'm quite happy doing quite strong highlights um, that are quite defined and, you can see them quite easily if you look at them. Um, at the same time with like, I don't know with like my Eshin stuff. The one thing that I do do, which I think other people don't necessarily 
Uh, maybe they do, I'm not sure. Is um, I think dry brushing is a legitimate painting technique as long as it's not being used to... Well, actually, it can be used to cut a corner, but um, uh, all my night runners... Yeah, all my night runners are in front of me now. Like, the way that I painted them is... Um, like, all the cloaks, I did like eshing grey. Um, dry brush Mechanicus, dry brush, like, Administratum. Um, and even like, the, towards the end of it, dry brush, oh, dry brush Dawnstone, and towards the end of it, dry brush Administratum. And then I'd wash back over the whole thing in non-oil. Then I'd redo a dry brush of Dawnstone. And then all the recesses, I'd do, like, four or five coats of non-oil, just, like, getting progressively thinner. And then because of that, I have this big contrast, but it's primarily done through dry brushing. And a lot of my scaven are done through dry brushing where I've gone back with washes and yeah. then um, gone back over certain colors. And like, I haven't just washed it and done one dry brush and be done with it. Like I've actually put time and effort into creating this particular look through dry brushing and then going back and using shades and like, um, like my plague monks they did the same thing like i did two different dry brush layers on them then i washed them and then i thinned down with medium some two different colored shades with like sepia and ephonian camera shade and splotched pretty much all over them and it created this big contrast and like seemed to i mean i felt like it came out well it achieved what i was trying to do basically but um yeah, yeah dry- I, I, use, I use dry brushing a lot <laughs> yeah, dry brushing is one of those things where it's um can be done really to rush through and it can really if you're not you're not doing it properly it'll look have that real sort of pasty kind of uh, splotchy look but if you've got your yeah okay sort of look but if you've got it like the your bristles like you've got pretty you've got to pretty much get all of it out of there i think like and then it's that very light very lightly going over that and it brings out the the details of the the sculpt itself like it just sort of just catches it and i think that's when you when you sort of hitting that sweet spot with your dry brushing Mm-hmm. it can it amplifies it enhances like that's how i did all my all my um, night horns like all my my spirit hosts like the final highlight that's all it's majority of that's dry brushed like i might have cleaned it up here and there with um some some brushwork but it's um majority is just very light dry brushing um building up the layers like you would um with you know, regular painting i suppose you could say but yeah that can be said for it it's just you yeah use it um sparingly or with a light touch <laughs> I guess. Yeah. No, no, definitely. I agree. Um, yeah, I use dry brushing all the time. I, I won't just do it and then just leave it like what you said. I'll go back and do some brush work and I'll do other things. Yeah, but, um, yeah. I'll do other steps first and then I'll dry brush at the end. But um, mm. yeah, I, a lot yeah. of my skaven are dry brushed, but then I've done other things afterwards and it's kind of tied it in. So um, one thing I do do as well is um, I'll use shades a lot later in the process than what the GW app says. So the way I paint flesh for Skaven is I'll do a base coat, a layer, a second layer, then I'll wash it, and the wash will help tie in the layers and yeah. a bit more smooth and um, stand out, and then I'll do like a final layer just to kind of make it pick up the raised points and the bits which I want to add contrast to. Yeah. Um, so sometimes I do like shades much later. I do that when I, the way I paint Warpstone is I'll do like a dark green, a light green, a medium green, a really light green. Then I'll wash it green and it kind of ties it all together. Yeah. Um, and then I'll do like a light green and sometimes I dry brush it or, or I do different layers of dry brushing and then I'll wash them and it kind of blends them all in if I want to do that. Um, I mean, that's just something like I do on the fly. I don't know if it's a like good advice to give somebody else. So. No, it makes uh, sense because that wash will, when it dries, it does tie in those all those colours. It makes them blend in together much more nicer. Nice. Yeah, as long as you actually thin your paint and they're not like strong lines between where yeah. you put your layers, it will actually very much 
create like not like a smooth gradient but like it will highlight lighter colors where they need to be like it's i don't do that on my def but it's something that i've done on my um scaven quite a lot like the way that i paint flesh basically so yeah um, do you use um do you ever use glazes increasingly yeah i'm starting to now um i've started i tried using like multiple glazes to like blend transitions and yep. painting we've kind of like mixed results i recently started wet blending stuff and that's been working um i did that on like mineral holes so like i wet blended um the vortex in the middle the actual uh skaven vortex and the spell like i wet blended them up i painted a bloodborne rat ogre that i wet blended and that came out really well so um dan pickard showed me how to do that yeah it's actually really good someone who's worth talking to about hobby is i speak to him yeah he's got some great beautiful models like i've just recently started following him on instagram and it's fantastic some beautiful beautifully painted yeah. models like he's incredible he's very much gone under the radar but like he's someone who identifies um a way better painter than me in my opinion and he's able to show what he's doing or if i ask him stuff because he's done a lot of things through tutorials there's a lot of really bad tutorials out there like there's um the amount of times I can't tell you where I've tried to watch a video of how a certain model is painted and you can't see what they're doing at all because they don't show their brush or they're talking, assuming that you already know this skill and so if I already knew this skill, I wouldn't be watching your video. And like, um, there's some really good ones. If you find a good one, they're usually great. Or like I've watched, I'll start looking at a video and then I'll start it off with an airbrush and like I don't have an airbrush so I can't use this tutorial. Like um, So, and I never really wanted an airbrush either. I want to learn how to do things by hand. I think airbrushes are good tools. Like I wouldn't knock someone for using them. It's just something that I've got. I don't know, no volition to use whatsoever. But um, if you want to do those NFL pilot, there's a lot of really complex stuff you can do with airbrushing and glazing and stuff like that. But um, wet blending, I want to learn how to get better at wet blending. So I've tried using glazes as like a way around it. Yeah. Kind of mixed results. Um, but yes, yeah, I use them more now than I ever did, but I still wouldn't say it's something I use all the time. Yeah, like so, the, the reason why I ask is because um, when you're describing the way that you uh, you do base layer layer or, and then then do your wash for your flesh sort of thing like that just remind me that's very similar to how i would use a glaze yeah i almost don't have to glaze because of how i use the shades so. yeah what's this amazing uh, shades shading is is just a darker thicker, like it's just a darker version of glazing it's just a i'll sometimes thin the shade down with medium so it's kind of similar i guess um yeah yeah no it is yeah that's how bright it is it's really bright like, off in it yeah hmm. Um, if it's darker stuff, I don't need to. So, um, is, yeah, there any, um, uh, is there any way, like anything that you, okay, so, <laughs> like, for example, like, I um, used to paint flames, like sort of uh, baleful, baleful flames. I used to sort of do Caliban green, then moot green, warpstone um, green, and sort of build up the layers of the flames, and then, I'd do yellow at the end and then I'd sort of tie them all back in with a glaze over the top and that I'd call it done. But um, I've recently, like since the release of the Soul Wars, uh, they brought out the that technical paint, the, was it the Hex Wraith Flame technical paint? So yeah, now I've the same, to get to do the same effect, like I've now I'll do a, like a base of Celestra Grey then I'll do the hex wraith flame. Then I'll just go straight to yellow highlights and then glaze it, and I get the pretty much exactly the same effect. So, is there any sort of ways you used to do things that you now do, like 
same effect, but you've got a totally different way of approach or doing. Is there anything like that in your in sort of your repertoire that you've kind of come across, or any sort of hobby cheats or secrets? Uh, I don't know. Maybe not. I mean the flesh thing with shades um, was an accident. Like I think I was painting some plan rats and I actually forgot to do the shade. <laughs> I'd already done the layers, and then I was like, "Oh, I'm just going to put it on and see if I can salvage it." And it was like, "Oh, it looks better this way." Like, um, so it was actually kind of an accident because, like, the way I got shown to paint flesh at the time when I was younger, there wasn't any shades. You saw the inks, and I couldn't really use them when I was younger. I don't know what they were really for. Um, it didn't work when I tried them, so I stumbled on that, and I was like, "Oh, that seems to work better," and so I kept doing it. But um, I wouldn't say there's anything especially that. I found a way around like um well, I mean the most recent thing I can probably think of is I started using the new deepkin paints to paint rotten flesh oh, yeah. so like my tomb king I used um because he's not bone he's rotting flesh so like my tomb king on the foot um I just experimented with them I just bought the deepkin base and layer and kind of did the same recipe as I do with my bone but using like do used to paint bone because I paint bone super bright I wanted it to look slightly different and it actually worked really well like um yeah, that's yeah, it just worked. I don't know how to explain it. Like, try something different. One of the new paints that just wasn't available or accessible when I was painting my two things before. Yeah, um, I wouldn't say that there's any sort of ways around things. I mean, the big one is, um, I mentioned it before because like, I painted a screaming bell, I painted a warp lightning cannon, I painted a doom wheel on a short space of time. And one thing that I hate with hobby is I hate sub assembly. Because I like holding the base. I hate the fact that if I'm doing a base coat and I have to paint like 90% of it and then I have to wait for it to dry to go back where I was holding it and then go back over that, annoys the shit out of me. Like it, mm-hmm. it, That's when I don't enjoy painting as much. And um, So I've just done three things that require like very heavy sub-assembly with a lot of wood. And um, doing like uh, following that tutorial from Warhammer TV or just on how to paint wood, it's super simple. It really doesn't take that much time. It has a really good effect. Yeah. Before I was doing all this stuff, it take a lot longer and it looked shit in comparison to be honest <laughs> it's it just worked so um there are certain things sort of rules and principles that other people do that i don't necessarily like because it goes more for realism to go off on a tangent um so like i got told so often when i started painting my tim kings again and i painted the gold super bright that was like do a final highlight with silver because that's how gold looks in real life and i was like i don't want it to look like gold in real life and i even remember entering that Tomb King in like a local painting competition with Brant who won. Brant who just happened to be there that day. I was <laughs> like, they're doing a painting card. Do you want to enter one of your shades by models? He's like, yeah, okay, I'll put that one in. He wins. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I think I remember that. <laughs> yeah, I think I got third. I was like, oh, I would have got second if I kept my mouth shut. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, like, I remember that some guy got fourth with like some model and then came up to me and said, you didn't even put silver on your gold. I was like, for a start, I didn't even know this tournament, this thing was on today. I just happened to have it with me. Secondly, um, I didn't think they'd let me enter it anyway because it's a compendium model. And thirdly, it's like, I think that would look terrible. It doesn't fit the theme. It doesn't look right in this context. So I think sometimes people get ideas in their head, which um, has to be, needs to be done a certain way. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, I don't think so. You can just kind of go with whatever you want. If you can hear something really loud, it's my housemate. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, how dare you? How dare you not put silver on there? <laughs> he may as well have, basically came up to me explaining to me why I didn't deserve to finish above him because I didn't, that was one of his reasons was I didn't yeah. put silver on my gold and I was like, well, it's because I think it would look shit, not because I've been lazy and skipped a step. Like, it's very different. 
there's gold actually i got from the carriage on overlord book ben spinetti was playing a game and i was like can i look at your book um and so i was like yeah sure i was flicking through and it showed like arcanaut company and it had this step for this really bright gold and i like, took because i do this quite often when i see things that i think look cool. i took a photo of it on my phone and then i just tried it for some reason i just copied what was in that book and i've been doing it on my team things ever since and it worked so, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, one of the newer books that I was slating earlier just um, really helped. So, <laughs> well, yeah, I think the I think the just looking in the painting sections of the all the new Much battle tomes is really useful because it yeah. can just give you a different recipe or a different method of trying something. Because like I have my method that I will just pretty much always go to for bone, which is the old school, which uses in screaming skull like they were the paints and they're the bone colors that i expect um and kind of working up from there i've since changed it to i actually dry brush it now with um i think it's long beard gray which i wouldn't have done before but it actually works really well instead of a white highlight that's slightly gray it just works better but i was looking through the flesh eaters book and it has a recipe in there for bone that I never would have thought because you paint it with, I think it's flayed one flesh and then you wash it with sepia and then you layer back over it with flayed one flesh. And I just, you just wouldn't, I'm like, well, that's a, that's flesh and the sepia is yellow. Like it just, I wouldn't have thought it'd make a bone look, but you look at the picture and it, it looks like bone. So um, it can just be really good to just look at those little tips. And I think that's four small boxes on a page, but it's just like, Oh, okay. Maybe that, you can think about them and not just go, oh, well, I'm painting flesh, so I need to use a flesh colour. Yeah. Um, I remember doing this actually with Marathi um, when I painted her face. I actually found myself using purple, like purples and greys for the skin tone. Yeah. Whereas I got out all of the like Cadian flesh tones. So actually you'll appreciate this, Dan, when you were looking at my Phoenix, my anointed rider the other oh, day wow. and laughing at how dark his face and the skin, how bad it looks. He I did before Marathi and it was um, I'd taken out like Bugman's Glow, Cadian Flesh Tone, all those like his left flesh, all those flesh colours and I painted them and I'm like, no, it's like it's too kind of brown and rouge. Like it was just so dark. And then I painted Marathi and I kind of wanted her to have this kind of purpley, that Slanesh kind of things so i got out yeah like slanish gray i think is slightly purple um and then i used like purpley tones and like creams and stuff like that to do her skin rather than using what gw's paint range would tell me were the flesh tones Mm. um and so yeah i think there's a huge thing there in looking at paints outside of what the name says like you just just don't think you're painting flesh you have to use a flesh tone like you can use anything that you want to use if it's more the color that you're trying to achieve i think well yeah, I think so. when it comes to like hair like whenever i paint hair I, I don't think there's a single model in my army that actually has a natural hair color <laughs> i've painted all my like all my vampires the vampires got like white hair like gray white hair he's probably the closest but like i've got my my coven throne vampires like i just want to go through that alt chick with um yeah, the old model coloured hair sort of style. So they've all got like one's got green hair. Punk. One's got purple hair, like kind of like that clan Escher like sort of vibe, the punk Necromunda vibe. All my all my cheeky all my chickies. <laughs> but yeah. uh, it's actually like the neck when Necromunda when they re released it and they had some painting guides for how to paint the clan Escher uh clan Escher uh hair. 
So it's like they're like this kind of electric blue and sort of deeper sort of purple um, punk hair. And I just apply that directly onto my, uh, onto my necromancer, which is like my Banshee sort of, which is the conversion I did from the um, Miss Weaver side. So I just, that's just lifted straight out of the, um, out of the painting guide for the clan Asia necromunda model. <laughs> so, yeah. So tying that in, yeah. how you, you know, go, sort of steering away from uh, realism into the more sort of, you know, your, your color choices and you being sort of a bit different and, yeah, not adhering to that kind of ethos. But there's not, nothing to take away from people who, who want to try and make it realistic. That's actually a, a, a massive skill in itself to try and achieve that. But, um, yeah, I think I like going for that brighter, uh, more sort of eye-catching kind of um, color schemes and things like that. So suits me. <laughs> Something you can notice across the table. I think really I, with the Skaven, I tried to go for realism, especially initially. Um, but I mean, at the end of the day, it's, they are three-dimensional models. Like they're, um, they're not proportionate. They're kind of different. And yeah, I've just experimented. With, I always painted everything dark. So, like, the reason I wanted to paint my Tomb King's Bright is because I never saw anyone paint Tomb King's Bright. I'd never seen anyone paint an army that bright before. Um, mm. So I just went with completely unrealistic colours because like, they're supposed to be, like, old, rotten, and fading, and, like, well, they're not anything anymore, are they? But um, <laughs> I was like, oh, what well, if I painted them to look brand new? And almost, like... Um, like glory days. Statues. Like, what they would have been like when they were cleaned and, like... That all of the like um, reanimates, what are they called? Constructs. What they would have been like, and they were brand new. Like how would they look? And that's pretty much what I went for it, as opposed to yeah. um, like rotten, like old, falling apart. Like yeah. I want them to look like yeah, clean. I don't know. <laughs> well, like they are, yeah, they are. They're they're undead. <laughs> like it's an undead civilization, but they're carrying unreal, unrealistic colors everywhere. <laughs> they're, they're, like, they're carrying on their like civilization and society and maintaining everything still. Like it's still functioning society. They're just undead and reanimate constructions. <laughs> they they have like a, a bit different like, now. Maybe <laughs> comes out with a gurney and washes them down after the battles and polishes them up, gets them ready for the next one. Yeah, um, they've got a budget for that. That's kind of how I want to yeah, look. Yeah, <laughs> So one thing I wanted to ask you about, Dan, because it's something I know you've been doing more of recently and finding it, I think, surprisingly easy or certainly I've been surprised when you've said how quickly you did it is your freehand. You've been adding a lot more freehand to things. Um, So I kind of just wanted you to talk a bit about how you approach freehand and painting lines that aren't just kind of edge highlighting an actual surface area and kind of creating that image of an actual painting on on a flat surface um that is the one thing that i would say i always found quite easy i don't really know why i used to do a lot of like um like pencil line illustrations that i used to draw faces as well like um i was really good at drawing people people i put a lot of time and work into that and a lot of people did that more like when i was like a teenager um with freehand i've just I can just do it. I don't, I've not done anything overly complicated um, other than the Doom Wheel one. Because uh, the reason I was so dismissive of the Doom Wheel is um, I tried to copy the um, freehand on the War Scroll. Uh, you know the cards, the War Scroll cards that come when you buy like collector's editions and stuff like that? So there's like this really cool freehand. 
with all these little triangles on um, the Doom Wheel, and I tried to copy it. And I wasn't that happy with it because I messed it up. Like, it, I didn't perfectly replicate it. Um, I made perfect, near perfect triangles, but they're equilateral triangles, and the one in the box art, they're these like, long, like, isosceles triangles. Um, so I was like, oh, I'm not doing exactly the same, but I can do these like equilateral ones. And it came up, it took me like, I think you asked me how long it took me. It was like, how did that banner take you? I was like, oh, it was the last thing I did. It took about 20 minutes, like 15 on the triangles, five and everything else. Like, <laughs> reason for any time into um, doing that. Um, even like all my Tomb King shields, if you look closely at them, they all have these little freehand lines going all the way down, all of them. And I saw that from the book. That, um, how to paint Citadel Miniatures book. It's in there. There's a guide in there. Liam was working at um, <laughs> one of the GW stores, Chatswood, and they had an open copy of it. And then I was like, he was serving a customer, so I just took photos. Because <laughs> <And>, um, <laughs> literally the only thing in the book I wanted was the shields, and I was showing them how they paint the Tomb King shields, and they have these freehand lines on them. I've, I've done that on all of my Legionnaires. Um, and it was fine. Um, I think I realized I could paint freehand because um, all of my Skaven Squire stuff, like our running theme in my Skaven army is it's Pokemon themed. Like, um, it started off like I painted the Gracie as holding an orb, so I painted it as a Pokeball. Yeah. And then it just went to the next level, so I painted, I got some Globe Ears. It's still called Globe Ears because I think it's sound better than Squire Accolades. I think mean, they've changed their name for the worst. Globe Ears sound way cooler. Um, <laughs> and. Um, so I just painted all the bombs as Pokeballs because I thought it looked funny. <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, oh, I get the, the Vermin Lord with the giant orb. I'll paint it as the Master Ball. And so like, I just painted, like, the very last thing I painted on that warp seer was the M on the Master Ball. He's just holding a Master Ball. I, don't get, I forget that I've done it because I did it so long ago. But even this weekend, I brought my warp seer with me. It's the first time, like, I've taken it to a tournament for a while. And people are like, oh, that's so cool. And people haven't seen it. I was like, Oh yeah, yeah, that was ages ago. Like, I don't really think much of it, but because of that, I got the confidence to do other freehand. So um, I remember um, my Poison Wind Globideers, um, no Poison Wind models, but they were still models because I've cut them up into Scryer Acolytes now. They have this giant orb which goes in their base, which used to come in the eye of the blood box. So I painted them as Pokeballs too. And then I was like, oh, it'd be funny if I did one as a Volt Orb. And then um, I was sat next to somebody in a GW, and. Um, Harry, and it was just like, you should do it, man. I was like, oh, I don't know if I can. Like, he's like, no, I'll just go over it if it doesn't work. I was like, all right. So, actually, just thought, oh, that'd be a funny idea. Wasn't going to do it. He was like, do it. I had like an old, shitty starter brush, painted it in about 90 seconds. Turned out pretty much near perfect, to be honest. Like, <laughs> just don't find it that difficult to do things like that. If I was to do like a very complex um, freehand banner, it would be very different because um, when you start layering on top of freehand and you start like highlighting around freehand, that's when things get complicated. I think. Um, yeah, so I haven't done any complicated freehand. I've just painted a little Pokemon stuff on my models. Is probably the short answer. I, I, haven't, I haven't gone into that realm yet for the banners. <laughs> no. What's interesting though is like um, the painting rubrics for when you go to events. Um, like I've painted. Um, so like my clan rats have like a team rocket R. I've got one with the communism single symbol and the sickle, <laughs> um, and like all this stuff, and then the clan mall symbols, and like nearly all of my um, shields have like something on them. I painted the rat emoji on one of the shields. Um, I freehanded Skaven a great on one of my shields. 
one of them's got a smiley face on it. Like, I'm just having fun with it because I just thought they were like a funny army that it suits them. Um, and I named my clan rats, as you well know. So um, I believe my unit champion is Brant, and he has a smiley face shield. Um, <laughs> uh, one of them just had a question mark on, I believe that's Jet. Um, like, so I can actually tell which ones are, uh, which ones are which, but there were just things I was just having fun with, but I just don't find it that hard. If I were to do something complex, it'd be very different, but um, going full circle, all of that stuff's really easy. All of it takes no time at all. Um, like I said, that um, Doom Wheel banner took very little time. Um, and then I've painted out my Tomb Kings banners, which have all these tiny red and blue jewels that I'm like constantly painting. I'm layering every single one of them multiple times. And then each coat I'm doing is multiple layers. And like, takes forever for every shield, every banner and all this stuff. And like, I look at tournament once you do you have any free hand in your banners? I'm like, no. Like, okay, don't get the points for it. And then escape one, do you have any free hand in your banners? Like, yeah, it's a Team Rocket R, max points. And like, <laughs> that R took five seconds. And then like, then maybe like a little line highlight inside. And then I, oh my, I've got these really complex patterns, but they're not technically not freehand on all my Tomb King stuff. And I'm like, because they don't have they don't have cloth. That's the whole reason I painted them because I've paint cloth in this game. And, and um, yeah, new points. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I, I find that funny sometimes. Yeah. The painting gods. <laughs> I don't care that I didn't get the points. Like, I knew that going in, that I wasn't going to get it. But I was like. You put a lot more effort into these banners than any of those, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I understand that there has to be a criteria and it can't be perfect. Like I'm not upset about it. But, I think, um, yeah, it doesn't have to necessarily be freehand banners. I think it's just freehand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's hard. yeah. You don't um, bother to so you not, yeah. So do you normally use any particular types of brushes? Obviously, you said that first time you did the freehand vault orb, you just had kind of the starter set. But would you normally use you normally use artificer brushes, don't you? Um, I would for a period where I did, but. Um, not really anymore. Um, I still do use those. I'm more conscious of paint creep ruining my brushes. Um, I turn over brushes quite quickly, so I'm constantly replacing them. Whereas before, I used to just keep one that was long past its like use, and I would just like, butcher my models. <laughs> like, um, so rather than getting all the artificer ones, which um, I was supposed to last a long time, and I found that they didn't really last any longer than any of my other brushes. I just buy the standard ones now, and when it's done, it's done, and I'll replace it. Like, I look out for paint creep. Um, you show me um, that brush cleaner. I was going to so say, because I, I do use that. You do have brush cleaner? I do have it. I started using it again recently because I just replaced all my brushes because um, I accidentally super glued all my brush. My, I used to have that brush wallet thing that GW sold, and um, I put it. I took it with me to England in case I painted when I went home over Christmas. Didn't do any painting there, but uh, it was. I also took super glue with me because I expected my stuff to break. And in some point in my flight, that super glue exploded in my bag. Oh. And fortunately, the um, my brush thing took all the brunt of it, and it basically sealed shut. So I still can't open it now because like, all the zip is super glued together. My brushes are still inside, <laughs> so I had to replace them all. Um, but it's fine. So then I was like, oh well, I'll just take. Um, I don't have that brush wallet anymore. I'll just replace them fairly regularly. And yeah, if, if I do a, a new big unit, I'll probably get like a new set of brushes, but small, cheap ones, because I, I just found the artificer ones weren't necessarily any better and they weren't lasting me any longer. And as long as I had a fine tip, I can do all the freehand stuff. So it didn't matter so much. They, I just got no longevity out of them. I just found it was a waste of money, really. 
um, if you looked after them properly, like I'm trying to do now, um, probably get more use out of it, but I didn't. So now I just get a small layer brush and I do almost everything with it. So <laughs> cool. Um, just a couple final more questions. Um, do you kind of how much do you thin paints down? Do you use water or do you use medium or do you find that the thinning of paints like has a big impact? Obviously you're doing lots of coats. So yeah, I do thin things down and the reason I used to try wet blending something I've only got right recently. Now I can do it quite confidently. I was over thinning it before um, and I was over medium using medium all the time. And now I realized that I was using too much medium and, um, I got bored of it very quickly and just went back to water and it went perfectly fine. Like, um, I'll use medium if I'm going to do like a glaze, but if I do a glaze, like it's usually if I'm putting something on like pestle and stuff, I don't want to have like little patches of dirt. I'll like thin down sepia and aphonian and I'll like splodge them everywhere. But, um, I'll thin that down with medium just so I don't lose the, um, consistency of the shade. Um, but yeah, I find that I don't really, one thing that I do use a lot more now, which Brand showed me, is satin varnish. Like I use that on all the jewels and all my Tim King stuff, and uh, I use it on all the bombs for my scaven stuff. If I want something to be shiny, I'll hard coat it, or I use satin varnish. Probably satin varnish now. It's really, really good. Like I really like the effect it gives. Kind of like a hard coat is too much for me. It's too heavy. Like it's like a step down from hard coat. Probably the same effect if you mixed medium and because medium gives like a matte effect. Um, if you mix medium and art coat together, that's probably what satin varnish would give you. And I like that look much more. Yeah. Um, so I use that a lot now. I use it on all my Tim King's contracts. Like it's, it just works for me. So um, I think if you were to put that over non-metallic metal as well, I think that has potential to look really, really good or really, really bad. I don't know. I'm going to try it. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go one of one way or the other. I reckon. I mean, delving into um, non-metallic metal, which essentially is wet blending, in a lot of ways. To a certain degree, I, I haven't gone that far yet. I think I will. I don't really have anything that would suit it because I, the gold for my Tim Kings, I like that it's bright and cartoony. So I don't want to do non-metallic metal for that. And Muscaven, I have like a darker brass. One thing I would give advice on for metallics is like if I'm doing, um, I've the Skaven Blood Bowl team and the box art, I want to copy the box art, which I usually never do. Um, and Runeld Brass is the color, it's the main color of it. And it's just such a terrible paint that you can't really paint it. So I just put Lead Belcher and then I put Runeld over the Lead Belcher and that seemed to work. It was still difficult, but like if I'm doing any of the metallics for GW, if it's not Balthazar, if it's not, um, the main gold, not liberated gold, uh, Retributor Armour, whatever it's called. Um, the base one. Yeah, the base ones. Yeah. It's not either of those two or Lead Belcher. I'll put Lead Belcher down and I'll put whatever colour it is over Lead Belcher and that usually works. So that base paints. Um, yeah, I, I thin my paints. I, I'll never not thin my paints. But um, I actually found that when I was trying to do more advanced stuff, I was over thinning my paints and that's why it wasn't working. So now I've kind of found the medium. But the first time I tried wet blending was on my Blood Bowl Retogre and it worked perfectly because I didn't think about it. And I did the whole thing in like, again, 20, 30 minutes. And I even showed Chris once and you were like, it just looks airbrushed. And I was like, it's not. <laughs> and then I spent ages like trying to research it, watch all these tutorials, trying to do it. I, could, I couldn't do it again for ages until Dan Pickard showed me. And it was just really simple what he showed me. I was like, oh, it's not that hard. I can do that. <laughs> and I did. And I'm doing it now. So, um, Non-metallic metal I'd like to do eventually, and it'd probably be more with like um, 
I have another actually have two spare fangles, so I might try it on one of those one day and just see how it looks. And if that works, I'll do it on Storm Fiends. Um, but no immediate plans. I saw a really cool non-metallic metal Nagash earlier today. I sent it to you, James. It's really cool. Oh, um, is that the blue one? The blue one. It's blue. Yeah. And I like it because it's blue, not gold. They're not trying to make it look gold or silver. It's blue, but it looks metal. It's not. It, it's really cool. Yeah, I'd love to see that. Is that on Twitter or something? I don't even remember. I think it was... What are the... I don't know. Dark Age of Sigma. I'm not sure. I sent it to you. Um, but... Yeah, it looked like that sort of thing is like because it's bright as well. Because sometimes non-metallic metal looks really dark and kind of um, dingy, almost like not matte but dark. Um, and this was yeah. really bright and it looked really good. Um, so yeah, it looked cool. But cool. I mean, I, I don't claim to be a great painter either. It's just like how I wind down. I paint so often, so frequently, and I smash things out so quickly. Because you're always going on about how I'm a quick painter. I generally get on with it. Like, I don't procrastinate. I'll have something playing in the background, and I'll just paint and paint and paint, and hours and hours will go by, and I'm in, like, my zen zone. And, like, I've painted so frequently that I've just got better at it. There really isn't any secret to it. I don't think um, I'm a good painter if I try. I'm not a great painter, but, like, that's what I like doing. I like that side of it because, you know, gaming is, like, maybe one weekend every few months. Like, the actual hobby in painting, like, if the amount of work that takes... If I only liked the gaming side of it, it wouldn't be worth it. I wouldn't. I would have gave up long ago. Like, or and I don't like. That's the main reason I don't like playing with other people's models because I like the fact that I painted it. It's also why I don't like. I like the fact that Warhammer is a visual game. That's why I don't like things that are immersion breaking. That's why I like things to look coherent. Maybe I'm just obsessive compulsive and I'm the problem. But um, <laughs> I like things to look um, coherent. I want it to look like an army or a force. And like, um, I just like things looking. It's like we we tried to play. Me and Chris tried to play a game once. I think you enjoyed it, and I just couldn't get into it. Gloomhaven, and there were like the adversaries in it were um, like these cardboard stands, and because Chris is predominantly a gamer, didn't bother him at all. Then there was like skeleton archers. I was like, if we actually, if I painted some skeleton archers and put them and replaced these little stands with skeleton archer models, I would have enjoyed that game so much more. And I I couldn't tell you why. <laughs> like, I don't know why. <laughs> Especially if I painted them myself, like I don't know. <laughs> so, um, I like to steal the tower because I got to paint my own character and bring it. So, um, but if I just used one that was already there or just an undercoded one, I wouldn't have had as much fun with it. So, I, I, I like, I'm a visual person. I like looking at it. I like it being coherent. I like it. Um, I want to do a display board next. It's something I've never done. Um, I want it to make sense and fit. Um, so yeah, wet blending and probably try a display board is probably what I'm, I'll do next. So, <laughs> um, Fantastic. Awesome. Can I do that? <laughs> yeah, it'd be really cool. Um, maybe a topic for another one. If you get it done, we can talk through your journey of doing a display board for the first time. Um, yeah, sure. But, but for now, I think that's probably enough. We can wrap it up. If you've got one tip for someone, because obviously you said you came into the hobby, you painted up some Tomb Kings, and then about a year later you looked back at the tomb kings you've done and the improvement there was massive if there's one tip you could give to someone that has kind of been in the hobby for a little while um and can paint okay but is looking to try and start upping their kind of painting game and maybe progress their painting to the next level what would be your like number one tip for them of where to start make sure you have opaque base coats and everything else will look a million times better with very little effort 
so bothering to do that second coat like if you put your first layer on and you can kind of see through it a little bit then you can see that the black undercoat through or the white undercoat just put the second layer on it really doesn't take that much time the second coat is really quick it makes a huge difference so i would make sure that you have a strong base coat and then whatever you do afterwards will always look better it's easy it doesn't make it's not hard it's not dexterous it's not difficult it's just time and the more you do it the more efficient you get at it and it's it, you don't have to be a good painter to do that and it took me far longer than it should have to learn that lesson there you go folks you heard it here <laughs> start yeah. from dan brewer <laughs> yeah well there you go that's my advice yeah it's good you don't have to follow it you might, might have been doing that already and it just i waited way too long so <laughs> <laughs> cool awesome um, well, yeah, I think we'll wrap it up there. So thanks again, Dan, for coming on. Um, I think you're going to come back on for another of our episodes shortly where we'll go through the the new Skaven book review from a competitive standpoint um, and, and everything there. Um, but for now, if people want to get in touch with you, are you on social media? I'm on Twitter. So it's funny because after I won SAGT, Michael tagged somebody else. So I think I'm like Dan underscore Brewer 89 or something like that. I don't actually remember my um, tag name. Yeah, he, he put Dan Brewer 99 and tagged someone else and he like, they responded like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that. Yeah, I think it is Dan underscore Brewer 89. Yeah, I've had Twitter for ages, but I only just started using it properly the last six months, maybe. Even though I don't use it very often. But a lot of people like message me questions on Messenger usually asking for my opinion on like a scaven list and I generally answer them or like um, Twitter, I get random tweets every now and again now just asking certain things. So yeah, I put those. It's fine. Um, I'm on the Sydney AOS page for Facebook or um, Twitter. I think I'm down on the score brewer 89. So yeah, you'll find me. Yeah, I think you're going to change your Twitter handle to Danquil. It was yeah. going to be Danquil. Uh, Gacy at Dankwall for a while and then I thought no <laughs> um, <laughs> I wanted to put it as the rat emoji rat emoji palette paint emoji and the okay symbol um, <laughs> I might change it to that if it lets me So, but yeah I, I might put it as Dankwall I don't know <laughs> well for now you can find Dan at Dan underscore Brewer 89 um, if that changes in the future then he can uh, update us um, James as always, you can be found at at Duke Kedrick, uh, D-U-K-E-K-H-A-D-R-I-C. That's on Instagram and um, the other one, Twitter. <laughs> and you can find yeah, and you can find me. Um, you can find me at Wounded Mortally. Um, in terms of us upcoming events, uh, we're both heading down to well, all three of us actually are heading down to Border War. Oh yeah, um, in Albury. Travis and Adam's event to support them. So looking forward to that. That should be good. So hopefully we'll see a bunch of you there. Um, I think they've still got 10, 15 or so tickets. So if you haven't got one yet, jump on and yeah. get one. That's uh, I think it's the weekend after Easter. Um, and then after that, it's our event, um, Sydney Slaughter, the annual event. This will be year three. Um, so we've got 80 spaces this year, new venue, um, much more space, providing a buffet lunch on both days. Um, it's all custom scenarios. Um, which I've written, but they're much more kind of toned back um, and aligned using kind of similar wording to the Games Workshop match play, General's Handbook scenarios. Um, Travis has done his awesome kind of must, um, 
design work on the uh, on the pack to make them look like Games Workshop scenarios. So they should feel very similar um, to everyone. So they are now available, posted in the event um, on Facebook, which is Sydney Slaughter 2019. You can find it through the Mortally Wounded Facebook page as well. So check them out and yeah, sign up um, and come along to Sydney Slaughter 2019. Absolutely. I mean, working behind the scenes, trying to get some uh, get some uh, prize support and some some, some sponsors. So we we'll be uh, announcing those uh, very soon once we get some confirmations. But uh, yeah, there's a bit of work going on behind the scenes there. Yeah, we've we've already got quite a bit lined up. Pro Painted has come on in a big way, so we'll be we've got eighteen um, sets of the uh, army wide t- buffs and token sets that they do the acrylic token sets for 18 of the armies so whoever takes away best in allegiance for any of those 18 allegiances at the event will win themselves a token set um, along with any other prizes they might be lucky to win and as James mentioned we've already got a number of other sponsors who've provided some great stuff and we've got some more in the works so yeah it should be a good event and um, yeah get yourselves along to it if you can just want to give a quick shout out to who we have on board so far. So we've got um, warandpeacegames.com.au. So they're an Aussie um, hobby, online hobby store. So they're based, um, I think, on the central coast uh, in New South Wales. So get on, get on board, look at them. They've got heaps of uh, stuff on there that's like for just your general hobby needs, a lot of historicals, sci-fi, but um, of course they've got all, the, all your GW products as well um, at a some pretty tasty discounts there as well. So I, I would definitely check them out for your your hobby needs. Uh, that's war and warandpeacegames.com.au. Um, they've sent very kindly sent us over some price, price support, so very, very grateful for, for that. Um, also, we've got Avatars of War. Uh, so Avatars of War, make, they make um, alternative uh, models for uh, fantasy. So they've got some fantastic dwarves. They've got amazing vampires, humans, orcs, they've got chaos, they've got they've pretty much got a, an alternative hero model for most of your characters in your army. So definitely get on over there. They're a very small company. Um, it's a husband and wife team based out of, uh, in Spain. I believe that uh, the sculptor for uh, these guys is actually a former GW sculptor, so it's actually very much in line with that uh, older Warhammer aesthetic. Uh so I've ordered some stuff. They'll be providing us with some models as well to give away. So thank you very much to uh, War and Peace. Uh, sorry, to uh, Avatars of War. <laughs> um, I'm actually going to paint up one of their models to be my arch regent. There's like a knight on foot that's holding this eagle. Looks absolutely fantastic. So he's going to be my Bretonian arch regent. <laughs> so um, yeah, big thank you to those two companies and. There's another one in the pipeline. I'm not ready to quite announce it yet, but it's very exciting. And uh, was it Macca's? McDonald's. <laughs> yeah, free McFlurries. We'll put <laughs> every spot. <laughs> also, just wanted to say very quickly um, another event that's coming up, which I'm going to. I wasn't originally planning on going to it, but it's uh, it's in Canberra. Uh, it's on the Saturday, the 6th and 7th of April. It's the Anzac Cup, which is the ADF Wargaming Association uh, tournament. So that's another two-day, five-game tournament um, held in Canberra, uh, same same uh, venue as CanCon. Uh, so if you're around and uh, if you're a local in Canberra or if you're up in Sydney and want to venture down for another weekend of gaming, um, get, get on board with that too. I believe there's tickets left. It's like $27.50 for a ticket and, um, yeah, Love to see more of you, your, your your beautiful faces down here. I think a lot of that goes to charity anyway. That's quite yeah, a good I think 100% yeah. of the ticket sales goes to um, various um, charities. 
Uh, so it's definitely a good event to get on board with, and they've got some other cool stuff lined up. Um, uh, so like they got rifle range, like a rifle range simulator where you can actually fire. Yeah, I saw that. Stuff like that. I'm, I'm heading to that one as well, so I'll see you there. Are you coming down? Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll be there. Yes. Cool. Well, that just about wraps that up. So for now, um, goodbye, and we hope to see you on the next show. Bye, guys.